Genesis chapter 12. Is there anybody grateful? In Genesis 12, Bible says that now the Lord said to Abraham, get Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed for as the Lord had spoken to him and lot with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had and acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of, the, the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He moved from there to the mountain of the, of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar and the Lord to the Lord and called the name of the Lord. So Abraham journeyed from journeyed on journeyed going on towards the south. Amen. And now there was a famine. Okay, so we got up to verse 9, isn't it? Okay. So we started leadership. I don't want to repeat everything we've talked about. Um, what are the things that we we studied last week? about Abraham's leadership. He did not know. God called him. I said to you last week that the first verse said what? What was the first verse? Verse 1. And now Abra the Lord said to Abraham, get thee out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Amen. And I said to you last week that any leader who wants to do anything and start with blessing in mind will not go anywhere. How many remember that? That you don't, you don't start a business, you don't start life, you don't start marriage with money or monetary gain, gain or prosperity in, in focus, in mind. You will not achieve anything. Amen. Money is a result of a good work done. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Money compliments or claps at you when you do well in the thing that you are supposed to be doing. Are you with me? And I said to you last week that every leader must have focus. How many remember? So, God calls Abraham and says that Get out of your father's house, your mother's house, to a land that I will show you. So he said, focus on the place that I'm taking you. And I said to you, God never calls anybody and gives them a location in mind. 
God never calls anybody and gives them a destination. Because when you give, when God gives you a destination, you will leave the God of the destination and chase the destination of the God. Amen. And I said to you that there is something called the atlas, the map, as against the GPS. The GPS is how God deals with us. He has called you, but he wants you, like, like Peter, he called the disciples to be with him. And then he gave them the command of becoming fishers of men. In the same way, he called Abraham to be with him, to the land. He didn't show him the land. He says, go. And when he got to Canaan, he said, here, I'll give you to your descendants. He didn't say, I'll give it to you. He said, I'll give it to your descendants, which means that the one I'm giving to you or the one I'm called you to is not here. Are you with me? Anybody who goes with a mind of blessing is not going where God has sent them. In fact, when God sends you, it looks like you are going to perish. In John 12, 24, it says that except a seed, a corn, a grain falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. So when God calls you, it looks like he's calling you to die. If you don't feel like he has called you to die, you are not with God. You are with yourself. Anytime God calls you, the first thing you think about is, yeah, this is death. Hallelujah. If you don't think that way, then you have sent yourself. Remember the story about the, the donkey that was going. He says that, Lord, send me to the place where you have called me to go. Because there was a farming in his land. And he was going. So he got to a, a T-junction. And he said, God, should I go right or go left? Just about the time he was about to start praying, he saw on the right side there was the green water there and the left was a big brown and he closed his eyes lord tell, show me should i go left or right where do you think the donkey ended up <laughs> where do you think the donkey will go it's a, it's like he's not god who has told him it's his eyes he looked at that this place is green so he said the lord it's not the lord it's yourself Hallelujah. Because really when God sends you, the first feeling is the feeling of death. The first feeling is the feeling of isolation. See, uh, there's, a, there's a, a scripture in Mark chapter 11. He says, and Jesus, uh, and, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, see how we have left all to follow you. And he said that there's no one who has left father, mother, house, land to follow me that will not in this life benefit. But when, when God calls you, you feel like he has left you. Amen. Pastor William, don't you feel that way? Sometimes when you go to the church and you look at the chairs that people are not sitting on, you feel like maybe God didn't hear. Uh, this thing is not God. It was a missed call. No, it's not a missed call. That is, that is a right call. Hallelujah. That's the first characteristic that you must understand about the call of God. 
It looks like you are going to die. The second thing we talked about was what? Sorry? Hey, did you write it down? Huh? You must have faith. Amen. You must have faith. Romans, come with me to Romans. Hey, people are writing notes. Romans chapter 4 verse 11. <laughs> and he, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all those who believe, though they were uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. The father of circumcision to those who not only have the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seeds. Not only to those who are of the law. Who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith. Of of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. Amen. So you see, the Bible says that, and Abraham believed what God had told him and was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham was a man full of faith. You see, if you are going to be a leader, you must have faith. Whatever God calls you to do, it will take faith. Those of us who have been married for a, a long time, give me a wave. When you go home, I'm giving you an uh, assignment. When you go home, take your picture just before you got married and look at it. You see how much faith you had. <laughs> and those who are not married, when you go, find somebody who has been married for 20 years or more. And take the before picture and look at them. You see that the people had faith. A lot of faith. <laughs> I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. But you look at the, the picture and say, so what did this person see? And decide that they will marry me. They must have had a lot of faith. To start a business, you need a lot of faith. Because one in two businesses fail. Two in three churches fail. Yeah, two in three. So what makes you think that yours will succeed? 
Don't analyze. It's okay. Just, just listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every venture that you want to embark on, you need a lot of faith. Because there's a lot of, an amount of risk in everything. Amen. And you see, you must have faith in the God that has given you that burden. And you must have faith in yourself. Because things, situation will challenge what you say you believe. How many have doubted yourself? You know, people, people that uh, travel, they say, they want to go, I want to go and stay in another country. My life will be better when I go move to another country. My life, and then they transfer themselves to another country. And then we go one month, two months. Situation will tell you, mm, looks like I made a mistake. Looks like this place is not where God was leading me. That is where you will need to have a lot of faith in yourself to say that, I'll make it. Others couldn't make it. But I'm one of those, the few who made it. I'll make it. Hallelujah. We need to have faith. Abraham was challenged. Throughout the journey, he was challenged. And see, sometimes the challenge will come from your own house. See, the challenge from outside is easier to deal with. But the challenge from your own house is very, very, very difficult. Do you know that the Bible doesn't specifically say, but Abraham and Sarah, they divorced at a point. At a point, they divorced. At a point, Sarah died on the way. Because sometimes the, the people Turn around. The people you are leading will turn around and blame you. When we look at Moses, you understand what I'm saying. The people you are delivering will be the same people that Satan will use against you. And you will need a lot of a lot of belief and faith in the God that has called you and in yourself. Otherwise, you will give up. Hallelujah. See, faith is not an abstract thing. Faith is what you do because of what you believe. Are you with me? So when you are tested, your response will tell us what your faith is in. See, when you are tested and you run around looking for somebody to bail you out, then your faith is in people. But when you are tested and you believe still in the God who has called you, then your faith is in that God. And you see, everybody, every one of us, in every journey, will come to a place where we'll fail. Failure is part of success. Are you with me? How you respond to your setbacks also determines that the amount of faith you have in the God and in yourself. The God of your faith and in yourself. Because there's nobody who has succeeded 100%. 
There will be times of failure. There will be times things won't work. How many have failed at some time, a point before? You know, the, 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 the Bible talks about how Abraham had to tell the king a lie about his wife, that his wife was a sister. And the king took the wife to his room. Can you imagine how low Abraham would have felt? And all that, oh, please don't start. All that. All that. Today, I don't understand. I don't know whether you are with me or... See, today, Mrs. Lamte is here, and I'm trying to behave myself. Pastor Ben is here, I'm trying to behave myself. So, I just, I realized that, so, I have to be myself. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> Otherwise, I have to be pretending for a long time. <laughs> so, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I mean, if you were Brother Abraham, how would you feel? And you see, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of details. But sometimes you have to read in between the lines to understand. You have to read the context, the protest of the context of the text to understand exactly what's going on. After the wife came out of the room, what do you think the relationship will be like? Because the Bible says that in the night, the Lord appeared to the king. Say, mega dodge. Don't make your mind. Don't try this. You can cause trouble for yourself. And see, the, the king got angry and gave Abraham back his wife with a lot of goods, a lot of riches, a lot. Take the riches. This is why you brought your wife. Take, you take, you greedy person, take everything and go. And as they are going with all the riches and with his wife and, and going, you, what do you think Abraham will be feeling? And do you think that the wife will be happy with him? see, we, 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 we talked about how disgusted even Lot, who was younger, was with his uncle to the point that he decided this man is not worth following. I told that the mistake that Lot made that turned his wife into a pillar of salt was a result of Abraham's mistake. See, a leader, when you make a mistake, you cause a lot more people to make mistakes behind you. So once you start leading, your every step must be doubly calculated because your misstep is the misstep of many people. The temptation that you don't overcome is the temptation that a lot of your people will fall in. 
Because he could not overcome this one. His son fell in the same thing. And as for his nephew, his wife turned into a pillar of salt. But yet still, he held on to faith. See, faith is not just, oh, uh, the Lord bless me and I'll see and then the end. No, faith is a long walk of success, failure, depression, dejection, success, failure, you know, guilt, and everything. Our Christian life is a life of faith. Which means that sometimes we'll succeed, sometimes we'll fail, sometimes things won't work, sometimes things will work, sometimes it will look like we are not doing well, sometimes it will look like we're doing all very well. But all of it, when the total submission, when the end of it is, is set and done, we'll say you are a father of faith. When you come to Galatians chapter 3, then you look at the man, the submission of his life, then he said he is the father of faith. But he was never the father of faith when he was going through his failure. He needed to have faith in the God that called him. He needed to have faith in himself. Even though he had failed many times. Hallelujah. Yeah. That is why you and I must not be in a hurry to write anybody off. Because they have failed at one thing. Because the one thing is not the summation of the person. So David said, my enemies rejoice not over me when I fall. Because when I fall, I'll rise again. Hallelujah. So I'm encouraging all of us. Faith is a fight. It's a long fight. It's a long fight. And faith, incidentally, is not just believing God. But believe also in yourself. Believe that the God that has called you, the Bible says that he, is, he will not put more on you than you can bear. If he has put you through this trial, it's because he can trust in you. That is why he has put this on you. So Job said that though he, he slays me, yet will I trust him. I'll trust him. I'll trust in the God that has called me. That decided that amongst all the people in the east, I will let Job go through this trial. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse kinds of trials and temptations, knowing that the trial, the testing of your faith, work at patience. And when patience has had, had its full cause, it makes you entire, wanting nothing. Hallelujah. Why does a leader need to have faith? Number one, a leader needs to have faith because situations will always cause the leader to doubt themselves. Any leader who doesn't doubt himself is taking a walk. I don't know whether you understood what I said. Any leader who does not doubt themselves is taking a walk. Do you know why? Can I explain to you why? Because, see, when you are taking a walk, you are taking a walk at the place where you have been before. Are you with me? So you take at the pace, knowing exactly what's on the ground. So you are very confident and comfortable. How many have walked from home to the shops before? 
you know the roots. You know there are no dangers in the roots. You know that everything, there's no holes or no uh, wells that you might fall in. So you walk confidently and comfortably there. Sometimes you don't even think. Sometimes you may be on the phone chatting and still walking. Walking and chatting, chatting and walking. Why? Because you, you don't think that anything bad will happen. But when you're going to a place you have never been before, and it looks dangerous. That is what leaders do. Uncharted waters. You see, when they have, you know, when Mongo Park was coming to Africa, they have knife and they are slashing the hedges, trimming as they are walking. That is faith. To make a way as you are going. No leader knows where they are going. It's by faith. Because this place you have never been before. This thing you are doing, you have never done it before. As to whether to succeed or not, you don't know. Would it work? Would it not work? Would it fail? Would I be embarrassed? Just you're going to take this somebody's daughter to follow you, and you are going. Would it work? Would it not work? Will I fail? How long would this thing work? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my my uh, health? How would this thing work? Those are the the things that leaders have to deal with. They have the self battle that you have to overcome. Hallelujah. Number two, faith in God, in the God who spoke to you and gave you that assignment. Sometimes the God who spoke to you will not speak again. Have you ever been on a, a, a route that you've never been to and a GPS is supposed to be leading you and it stops talking? You see yourself recalibrating to see whether position on the map, position on the map, and it's still not talking. How many have been there before? You have to have faith that you are on the right path. Hallelujah. Number three, faith in all th- faith that all things will work well in the end. When all is said and done, you have faith that all will work out in the end. We know that. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that are the called according to his purpose. Amen. So the third characteristic of the, uh, Abraham's leadership is that Abraham took Lot with him. I'm still on verse 1, in case you are wondering. I haven't moved from verse 1. And he took Lot with him. A leader, the mark of a leader is the number of people he takes with him to the top. Not just you. If you take yourself to the top, you are not a leader. The mark of a leader and the greatness of a leader is the number of people he takes with with him to the top. Jesus said that the things that I do shall you do and greater than this shall you do because I go to the Father. He took all of us with him and gave us the ability to do greater things than he did. That's the mark of a true leader. A leader who 
everything has to center around is an insecure person. I have to hold. I say, I'm here. I'm the only one who signs. Nobody can sign any check. Without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> they quote that scripture. You're an insecure person. I'm in charge. I'm the, you see, have you ever been to a house that the husband is always saying, I'm the one, I'm the head, I'm the head. He's not the head. If he's having to say all the time, every, after every sentence, I'm the head, I'm the head, he's, he's not the head. They check, you see the real head. Because the real head don't say I'm the head. <laughs> they, are, they are cool. They know who they are. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. You are not in charge. You are not in charge. I am the head of the church. I'm the head of the church. You see, when you go to a church that maybe the assistant or some people are fighting the pastor. You see the pastor. I'm the head of I'm the head. You are not you, brother. You are not the head. No, no, you are not the head. <laughs> they see themselves giving themselves big, big titles, big, 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 big titles to make everybody know that there's a difference between Egypt and Goshen. You cannot be me. <laughs> I am now right, Reverend Presiding Doctor Ever. No, 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 you are not. Because you don't need. You see, the mark of a good leader is that you are here. You know, like, okay, I am the bishop and I have 20 or 30 other bishops on the same level with me. Then that means I'm a great pastor because I have brought people with me to where I am. Are you with me? The Bible says that and, and Abraham took Lot with him to the point that Lot thought that he could, he could rival Abraham. See, that's also one of the disadvantages of that, of this point, of being a good, that is why I've seen that most churches, you bring somebody, the person didn't know even how to tie their shoelaces, they didn't know how to open to Genesis. Then all of a sudden, now they are here and they say that we we can preach, why don't you want us to preach? We have to rotate. That's also the downside of it. Now, they are, they are, Meanwhile, you saw them walking. You saw them. When they were coming, you saw them. And you appointed them. Now they are telling you what they think. That's also the downside of this. But it doesn't mean that you must not bring people up to that level that you are. Are you with me? Because Abraham took Lot from nowhere. Lot didn't have any agenda. Because if he had an agenda, he would have stayed at home. If he really had something doing, he wouldn't have left with his uncle, he stayed at home. But he took Lot with him. And he made sure Lot became wealthy. As wealthy as he was. To the point that the, his servants were fighting the servants of the, of the uncle. That's the mark of a good leader. Mark of a good leader is you see your children do well. Prosper. And then you feel, I don't know, but there's a certain gratitude that comes only in your heart when you see somebody you have helped to get to where you are. There's a certain joy that you can't ex not express to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. A bad, insecure leader is always pushing people down. There's only one king. <laughs> Everybody else must die. No, no, no. 
No. Hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters, let's take people with us to the top. When you find something good, don't enjoy it alone. When you are doing something and it's working, don't be the only one who's doing it and it's working. Become a leader of other people who are struggling and take them to the top. Hallelujah. Because success is never enjoyed alone. Success is enjoyed when you are a lot. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? Number four. A leader is a risk taker. You see, the problem with us is that we shout from the rooftop that we are, lead, we are faith people, but we don't take risk. And I'm telling you something, that if you, if you say you have faith and you don't take risk, you, are, you don't have faith. The Bible says in, in uh, uh, Hebrews 11, say, and all these, I think at verse 13 or 14, and all these people died not having yet seen the promise. And all these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. It's another type of faith. Remember verse 1 says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You don't see, but you believe it. And he says that all these people, after everything they did, they died not seeing it. And yet, they had seen it. Because remember, he says that by faith, the elders obtained a good report, verse 2. And then verse 3 says that, and all the things that were created were created from out of the things that could not be seen. So you see, God gave them a road map. God gave them a drawing. Of the building. See, an architect will say, I built the house. But he didn't put one block down there. <laughs> what he did was to draw the house on a paper. And he says that I built that house because the house was built before it was built. It was built on a piece of paper, it was built in someone's imagination. Then it was given to an artisan to put the blocks together. And then the building that was on the paper is replicated in reality. Are you with me? And faith is a building created in, in the imagination. <laughs> I, I, I don't know whether you understand. Faith is a building created in the imagination. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, which means that it doesn't exist but it has been built in your imagination. The evidence of things not seen, it's not physical, but it's there. It's there. You see, until you see the thing in your mind's eye, you will never see it happen. Until you see it in your mind's eye, it will never... A lot of people say they have faith, but they never have the imagination. So I am questioning what you are calling faith. Because faith has a lot to do with imagination. 
You see, until you get to a point where you can imagine that this whole place is full, upstairs and downstairs, and people are queuing outside, you will never see it. Until you get to a place where you see, you know, uh, you're, you, you are praying for people and people are, are dead, are ra- being raised, the sick are being healed, you will never see it. You must see it in your mind's eye. Then you see it physically. A lot of people are too old and too grown up and too matured to see in their mind's eye. Because we, 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 we equate that to childishness. How many understand what I'm saying? We equate imagination to childishness. Imagine, imagine, imagine a story. Then they're in the zoo. How many remember that? that do they still show it? These days they are sophisticated. <laughs> oh man hallelujah yeah. you see listen let's learn to imagine the bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and Bringing everything that has, is exalted down, pulling down the you see, and you see the strongholds he's talking about is imaginations, strong the mind barriers, strongholds. Are, are you? Let's go. Let's go. Second, is it uh, second ten four, second Corinthians ten four. It, it's not carnal, but. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imaginations. imaginations. The, the, the original King James says are imaginations or arguments. When they say arguments, talk about mindsets. Mindsets. You see, the thing that blocks us from progress is our mindset. How many have mindset that things don't work for you naturally? It's a mindset that when you have, believe you me, you work hard, but things won't work. Because you are not expecting things. You don't expect favor from anybody. You don't expect anybody to do any, anything for you. You are not expecting. And the Bible says the expectation of the righteous will not be cut short. Your expectation will always be realized. But see, that thing that you have to fight is not uh, outside. It's inside of you. That's how come it makes it difficult. Because you will need a mind change. And you need to change the mind with the mind. And that the, the thing that has been all your life is a stronghold because it's holding you strong. So it's not easy to shift it. See, what I'm preaching, what I'm doing today, what I'm preaching to you is I am trying to break that thing that has been there since you were born. And see, that is, that is a bigger miracle than when you are sick and you are healed. Because the strongest prison that you can break through is the prison of the mind. Yeah. As for me, where I come from, nothing good works comes 
Nothing works for me. Not, as for our house, there's a curse. Nobody marries. Nobody has a good marriage. All the people go to marry, they, they come back divorced. Nobody has a child in my, in my home. You see, when those things become a stronghold in your mind, you see it happen. And see, faith is superimposing the mind of God on that mind and believing that instead of the stronghold to the time and the point that it comes to reality. Then we say that this person has faith. Because see, what makes Abraham the father of faith was that in those days, even though they were pilgrims and they were nomads, they didn't travel very far. And to leave where he was, father's house and mother's house, to a land far, far away that he didn't know. And to believe that God was going to bless him as he went. It took faith. And he had to change some, some, some mindsets. Amen. Am I, am I in the house? Yeah. Heir of the Chaldeans. That's where he came from. Heir of the Chaldeans. To the land of Canaan. It's not a small journey. It's not a small journey. Some, some people believe that they can never succeed unless they go to a certain part of the world. It's not true. But see, if it becomes a mindset, you will never. I know people who say that if I'm in Africa, I'll never get rich. So I have to travel. And so they, in Africa, they will never ever. It's like until I go, I will never. Meanwhile, when you sit on the plane, it's all white people going to Africa. Africa. And they also believe that that is where the money is. Today, I, I was talking to a colleague at work, and uh, she was telling me that her brother is in Nigeria. Her brother is married to a Nigeria. Her brother lives in Nigeria, whilst the wife lives here. And they've been married for 20 years, because the wife believes that success and prosperity only is here. And the husband says that the money is there. So the husband is using the wife's name and the wife's people to make money while she is living here. So you see, the way we think is very important. You see, let me, let me give you an exercise. Let me give you an exercise. As you are talking, look at your default mode and how you sound. When I say default mode, the, the way you normally talk and the things, how you normally you interpret things and how you, you are normally wired. See how it is. And see, when you're talking with somebody who is honest, let them tell you, so how do you, what do you think about how I think? Can you handle it? <laughs> and if they'll be honest with you, they'll tell you that you're very negative. Preach, pastor, preach. Yeah. Or some, some of us, we are too myopic in our thought process. We can't think past a certain radius. Very, very nice. Your whole world evolves around here. All your friends, all your mates, everybody's here. Nobody's moving out of this bracket. And that is why you will not achieve much. Because look around you. See, the people around you, they are not achieving much. 
time to stretch yourself. It's time to stretch your thought process. It's time to stretch your thinking. It's time to stretch your reach. In uh, uh, Isaiah 54, it says that lengthen thy stake, widen your cord, because many will be the children of the widow. So you need to lengthen, make room, lengthen the stake, lengthen your reach. That's why I was, I was saying to uh, Uncle, Uncle Fred, let's start removing this. Yeah, because it's going to happen very soon. Yeah. So we need to be prepared for it. Because the thing starts from here. If you don't see it here, you never see it. The people that closed this place, they never could see it. So they closed it. And when they closed it, they, they couldn't even fill up to three rows. Because when you have closed this, you have closed your expectation, which means that you have brought yourself. You see, the system will even make you, Satan will make it even smaller than you were expecting. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far it is to go, possible it is to go. Only those who risk, risk going far can see how far they can go. Hallelujah. Can I stop here? Oh, I should add one more. Ken, what do you think? You are the decider. I should continue. Okay. Ken says I should add one more. <laughs> okay. A leader, a leader has disciples. Otherwise, he's taking a walk. Don't tell me you're a leader of anything if you don't have anybody following you. Can I have all one, two, three, four? Please come. Okay, so there are three of you. Stop following her. Keep doing what you are doing before. <laughs> so what do you think about her leadership now? Huh? She's taking a walk. She's not taking anybody anywhere. <laughs> are you getting it? Okay. okay. Okay, please put your hands together for them.
So you see, never call yourself a leader if you are not bringing others up and leading others elsewhere. Especially in church, they like calling themselves leaders. And you ask them, who are the people you are leading? And they start to stammer, because there's nobody. Are you getting me? And the Bible says in Hebrews 5 that for when for the time that you ought to be leaders, isn't it? Teachers. I told you that a teacher is a leader of a class. So when for the time that you ought to be teachers, which means that there is a time that you must start teaching, which means that there is a time that you must lead others. As a Christian, your part of your Christian work is to lead others. A time must come that you must lead others. So you must aspire to lead others. When I say lead others, others lead others where? Lead others towards God. Follow me as I follow Christ. Put that scripture up. It's uh, Hebrews. Is it four or five? Okay, so Hebrews five thirteen of twelve five twelve. For though the time that you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to them who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercise. Reason of use means that to be a, a leader, you must exercise your senses. Exercise your work. Exercise, stretch your faith. Stretch yourself. Stretch yourself. Because the stretching of yourself is the one that will make you desire and need meat. And that is what will make you become a leader of a class. Become a teacher of others. Hallelujah. Some of us, we don't like exercising our faith. We don't like trying new things. We don't like doing things we haven't done before. Everything you are, you are doing is what you have done before. If you, don't, if you have not done it before, you won't do it. Some people will not go to a place they haven't, they haven't been before. They will not watch a movie they haven't watched before. They will not eat food they haven't eaten before. As for me, everything, life is as it was. So shall it be. World without end. Amen. The same place you go, the same food you buy, the same dress you buy, the same. Oh, try, try something else. I said, try something else. Do something different. Because by reason of use, by exercising yourself, you build faith, you build muscles to eat meat. Are you with me? Then you can lead others also. Hallelujah. Try something new. It's an instruction. Try something new. 
You see, if you want to see what you haven't seen before, do what you haven't done before. Some of us, we have played Christianity and we have never gone deep. So we haven't seen God at a certain level. So try something different. Decide to go deep. Don't be afraid. You will not drown. Go. Hallelujah. The people who swim will tell you that it's nicer in the deep. People who surf, people who surf will tell you that it is nicer when you surf with bigger waves than when you surf with the waves that is knee high. You won't even be able to stand on the board. Are, are you getting it? Launch, say, the Bible says, launch into the deep. It's an instruction. So go past your comfort zone. Uh, am I talking to somebody? Go past your comfort zone. Do something you haven't done before. And you see something you haven't seen before. Trust God a little bit more than you have done. Hello. Hello. I don't know whether you are happy with me. <laughs> mm. See, Abraham went where he had never gone before. And that's how come he became the father of faith. Those of us that want to see God in a certain way, we must go deep. In the sense that they that go to do business in great waters, they see the wonders of the Lord, which is in the deep, which means that the wonders of God is in the deep, it's not in the shallow. If you want to experience God, you must go deep. Yeah. Yeah. Surface, surface. <laughs> you wet your feet, uh, Christian, you won't see anything. <laughs> Some people, when they go to the beach, they go waist high. And the waves come, then they jump. <laughs> the waves come, they jump. They say, I went to swim in the sea and look at somebody. Yeah, jumping at waves, he said, you have gone to swim. <laughs> some don't even, some go by their knee high and they say, hey, well, I was in the beach, I was swimming. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's time to go deep. How come you cannot start a chapel? What if I go and start a chapel and nobody comes? What if you go and start and everybody comes? Have you thought of it? How come you cannot <laughs> go and establish a church? Pastor, <laughs> if you here. When I see Uncle Willie, the way he looks depressed these days. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Somebody said, Pastor, if you be sarcastic, we are, we are here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. It is great. Listen, we, we, we will see a lot of things about Abraham's leadership. One of the things you see about Abraham's leadership is that 
Abraham was such a fantastic leader. Even when Lot made a mistake, Abraham was still covering and interceding for them. A leader is selfless. A leader is not, and a leader doesn't hold grudges. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. A leader does not hold grudges. You will never be a good leader if you are somebody who's holding grudges at people. Because people, the people you are leading will always offend you. People will always hurt you. And if you are going to be a leader, you must have a big heart. Have, have a big heart. The person you forgive the most will turn and be offended by you. And will never forgive you. But have a big heart and love them. You know, Lot never forgave Abraham. But many times Lot offended Abraham. Abraham, Lot left. And Abraham had to organize his army to go and save him. Came still. Says he's going somewhere else. And even when he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the, the angels were going on their way to destroy Lot and the people there, he was still interceding. If it was me, if it was you, I'm sure you say, why are you late? Let me hurry up and go and let, next time when he goes and comes, you know that when I say don't go, you won't go. But a leader must have a big heart. If you don't have a big heart, you will never make a good leader. Jesus was betrayed by all the disciples. All of them ran away. It wasn't just Judas. All of them ran away. The only person who didn't run was Mark, and he was a child. He was only small. That's why he was able to stay. Everybody ran. And the women, they were there. That's why when he was arrested, the only women saw him first. And the only man to go first was John, the little boy. Because you people, I don't trust you. <laughs> but then, he still came, and he loved them. Showed his nail prints to them. And encouraged them to continue. It takes a big heart to be a leader. Hallelujah. How many are becoming good leaders? How many will become good leaders? Listen, the world is counting on you to be a great leader. Eternity is counting on us to become great leaders. And don't rule yourself out. All of us can become good leaders. And will become good leaders. By the time we finish, you will see yourself, your leadership anointing would have come. And when we finish, by the grace of God, I'll pray for everyone. And we will become great leaders. You not only lead yourself, you not only lead your family, but you lead a great many after God.